0: Welcome to "If This Bar Could Talk," a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm Blair Beavers, and here's your host, Leanne Sims.
1: Happy holidays, listeners, and welcome to the podcast. Our guests today are the two of the three founders of Service, a relief organization for hospitality workers. Sang and Letha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks Thank you so doing. much. And Sang, I'm going to start with you. Can you tell our listeners what your role with service is and describe exactly what service
2: is? Yeah, happy to. Um, I am the exec, well, newly mounted executive director of uh, service. Uh, I was also one of the founders along with Lita and Matthew. And service was uh, formed out of um, the need... Uh, right when COVID hit to help service industry workers. So we are a relief effort for all hospitality workers and their families um, initially because of COVID and now because we realize there's an ongoing need for the service industry. And Letha, can you tell us,
1: describe your role at service and, um, and how exactly did it get started? What did that process look like?
3: Sure, uh, I am currently the treasurer, and I I do not cook uh, as Matt and Sang have that skill. Uh, I I supply more of the uh, background support. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, I've never had a project like Service before, and I've worked on a lot of projects. Um, this was probably. Even though it was a daunting task, uh, probably one of the most rewarding, um, we essentially set up a, a restaurant, um, set up a pre-order system uh, to keep people safe, uh, pilfering from you know what resources we have from our existing restaurants uh, to make this go, uh, uh, set up a a nonprofit, a bank account. Uh, it was pretty fast and furious there for, for a moment, um, and then pulled a board together, you know, to to round everything out, and I tell you, it's been one of the most rewarding projects I've ever worked on. Mm.
1: So, just to let our listeners know, so you guys all had your own businesses. It's the middle of COVID, um, well, actually, the
0: beginning of how, COVID. Yeah, how soon after the start did this uh, get going?
2: Restaurants shut down March 13th. I believe that was the date. Mm-hmm. And we served our first meals on April 4th. Um, wow. so it, was, it was pretty intense.
3: It was, just two weeks. Yeah, it was two weeks. It was two weeks. And, you know, Matt and Sang were having this discussion uh, separate from Matt and myself. And I think, you know, the three of us. Kind of jumped in uh, together to to get it pulled together. We, I mean, we even have a had a website up and running. Um, it you know you're right. We all had businesses. We were all open and working. And you're dealing with your family and trying to keep them safe. And you know not knowing a lot, a lot about this virus. And then you are jumping in here uh, trying to you know keep your staff. On task and, and, and safe. Uh, and then you take on this extra project to literally feed people. And so, you know, it wasn't, it, it didn't feel like a hard decision uh, to make. Um, it didn't feel as hard as when I look back now and think, Lord, how do we do that? Um, but we we did it and we're still friends, we're still together. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank God for that.
1: So right. Sang, I'm curious, was there one thing that happened that that made you spring into action? Or what
2: was it? It so it was really ridiculous. Like as we look back on it, you know, the more we get grounded into this, the more it opens you up to looking into the past and going, what was that moment of madness? Um, But, so it's too, you know, it's the conversation between Matt and I was innocent. He posted something on Facebook, maybe a week after restaurants shut down. And I responded to it and I was like, well, we could keep talking about it and waiting for somebody else to come along and do something, or we could just do something. Um, and little did we realize what we were getting into. Right. Um, but it wasn't, I mean, we were just, we had just laid off all of our employees. I mean, it was about only about 20 for me, but I think it was almost like 50, 60 for Matt. Um, and just the shock of, you know, I mean, I've had longevity with my employees, like they're completely my family and to, you know, shut the doors on them and be like, I know you can't get unemployment right now. I know you don't know what's going on right now, um, but sorry, this is what it is. I can't help you. Like, that was just not something I could say to them. It was literally a matter of, like, I have to do something. Like, I would not leave my kids out in the cold if something happened, and I cannot leave my staff out in the cold. Um, And it was, I don't know if it was the shock or the adrenaline (laughs) or the madness of just who we are as restaurateurs, but something had to be done. And it is that moment, you know, are you going to roll up your sleeves and get to work or are you going to wait and hope, you know, that somebody else has the same idea, like, you know, so you can point and be like, Hey, this is a great thing. You should do it or just do it. Um, We did. We just got to work and, you know, it was about protecting our people at that point. It was, None of us gets to this point in our career without a slew of workers that have, you know, given countless hours and countless energy to build our businesses for us, right? We don't do this alone, you know? So in a moment like that, you can't just negate all of that and just worry about yourself. Letha, you,
1: um, you got corporate sponsors. Um, I know Wasserstrom was one of them. How did that come
3: about? I think we all relied on people we had relationships with. I was more uh, of a connection to uh, some of the community grant organizations, uh, some of the politicians. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> it, it, it worked. It worked at the, at the time. Um, Sang and Matt had the a lot more of the restaurant. Folks to to tap into, and and whether that was for supply, so it was Wasserstrom. uh, I believe Restaurant Equippers has supported us in in some way. Sang had some corporate contacts that she reached out to. uh, Cover My Meds, Um, you know, there were there were quite a few folks. uh, You know, we needed some PR assistance from Gevin Communications. So people really, you know, as much energy as we put out to get this going. I felt like the community also matched us with energy and what, and what our needs were.
2: I think it was a time where everybody wanted to help and Mm -hmm. everybody to play a part in doing something better. Um, And it just needed, they just needed a leader, right? Like you just have to call and be like, Hey, give your money here, give your energy here. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, here is a group that needs help. And, I think all the focus at that point was on essential workers, but the restaurant industry wasn't being lumped into that essential worker group. and I think people just needed to be reminded of that, and you know, I mean, when you reach out and you ask, like you know we've had longstanding between Matt and I clearly have had long-standing relationships with the Washerstroms, and you know, again, just like us, the Washerstroms don't get to be the Washerstroms without restaurants and service staff right um Mm -hmm. so easy ask and it was you know i mean with rodney it was a very easy conversation and he was happy to help not only did he write a personal check but you know he gave me like carte blanche at the store he was like just go pick up whatever you need um you know and it was like we went we had no equipment to cook you know meals for 100 200 people like we didn't know how to do that like um, and it was just carte blanche, like, you know, go in there, whatever you need, it'll be taken care of. Um, Cover My Meds also came through, like, you know, within a couple of days. Um, they are supporters of the arts. And I just had to make the call and be like, hey, this is also the arts, <laughs> you know, where, and this, this is where, you know, your money could help best. And people did really rally you know, ECDI came through for us because we didn't have the space to cook, you know, to that capacity. And um, one of the employees of ECDI had worked for me previously and I called him and I was like, can you help? And, you know, I mean, people really rallied. It was, this is not something you can pull off alone. And Mm -hmm. Columbus came together
0: for it. So once you got up and going how many meals were you providing a day? And do you have an idea of how many you've provided to date?
2: Yeah, we started with 200 meals a day. Um, and we provided a little over 10,000 meals in the first eight
3: weeks. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, mi- minimal waste. And so what we would do is, you know, we would pick up meals or we we would have, we had a pre-order system set up. so. People could click a link, choose a time, choose a location, which meant there were a handful of restaurants who kept their coolers going and their freezers going um, to, to, you know, house these meals. And what we would have left over, we would push to the YWCA Women's Center, because uh, a family center, because initially uh, a lot of those types of organizations, they didn't let their staff go home because people were just so, you know, anyone in, in a congregate setting just wasn't sure of how this was going to play out. And so, you know, we would push meals to them. We pushed meals to the Clintonville uh, uh, Community Center in, in, uh, in Clintonville. And I mean, it was, uh, it, it really was a community effort because just as much as we also did a lot with food, not bombs, And so, you know, we we had minimal waste, which I was really proud of because, you know, the last thing you want is for food to go to waste.
0: Mm -hmm. So um, what other services do you provide the hospitality workers in addition to uh, meals? So after the meals were done, uh, we started it was
2: when restaurants starting to open up again on some scale and people were starting to work or unemployment was starting to come through. Um, but then as that happened, landlords were knocking on doors again and AP wanted their money and, you know, Columbia gas was knocking on your door. So uh, we decided to give out a micro grants um, to help with just, you know, a leg up, whether it was making a rent payment or, Getting your car fixed so you can go back to work or you know childcare, however, it helped somebody in the service industry. So for the next eight weeks, we gave out micro grants um, of 250 dollars a person, and we did 25 people a week. Wow yeah, and then beyond that, then it was around Thanksgiving, and we gave away a hundred turkeys with all the sides again, that was on a pre-order basis. And so we gave away hundred turkeys with all the fixings. Um, And again, it was people just, you know, individuals donating. And then we did a few more fundraisers and we did for another eight weeks uh, Mm -hmm. checks on a slightly larger scale. So at that point we were doing thousand dollar checks. Amazing.
3: And, And I think all in all, we've Probably given away close to $68,000. Wow. And, and, and think of the logistics of that. You know, we set up, a you know, an email address, a Google Doc. Uh, you know, we collected, if you had paycheck stubs that showed you were in the industry at the time COVID hit, um, then we would have to like whittle down the number of people we could, you know, uh, support each week then you would have to coordinate between all of us who was going to sit in what coffee shop or where and and then direct people there um, to, to you know, collect checks. And so, you know, we we have a person who, uh, you know, does writing for us, Shelly, uh, Shelly Mann. And so, you know, she drafted, you know, a professional letter that, you know, we, we would send the folks if they were funded and you know, gave them the, the correct directions, and and so yeah, it was it was quite an ordeal. Mm. It was quite an ordeal.
1: I'd love to hear uh, stories from both of you, if you have them, of something that really touched you when you were providing uh, money and meals to hospitality workers.
2: It was amazing. I mean, there were so many uh, layers to it, right. I mean, we were seeing people that hadn't left their house in a long time lots up at home social there's no contact with anybody else um, and when they were coming in whether to pick up meals or to pick up the checks for a lot of them especially the people that lived alone it was the only social outing for the day right and um it was heartbreaking to see a lot of people, people that were picking up meals for their neighbors or, you know, had kids at home and it was such an unsure time, but people were just so immensely grateful, Um, it was just, I mean, I can't imagine doing a better thing. Like people had their own stories and, you know, and they openly shared them and people were in tears and, you know, the gratitude was immense. Um, again, with the checks, when we started giving those out, like, you know, there were people that were going to get evicted or kicked, you know, like couldn't get to work or couldn't get their kids to daycare or pay their medical bills, you know, pick up their prescriptions. So just to do something so small that makes such a huge impact on somebody's life, um, it was really, it like there were times where I was totally uh, like a mess while I'm handing over a meal or writing a check. I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, but it was, a, it really was amazing to see how much gratitude there was out there.
3: You know, I remember I made arrangements to uh, meet a woman not far from where I lived, and she pulled up and she had three kids in the car and one was like young, a baby, maybe two or three months old. And uh, she was just so appreciative. And I think, you know, one of the things that people didn't realize is that, you know, when you work for the the historical wages, a lot of times in the restaurant industry, it made a lot of people ineligible for unemployment. So you have to make a minimal amount per week to be eligible for unemployment. And so, you know, there are folks out there that still pay people under the table and, you know, all the little dirty secrets of the restaurant industry. So then you have this pandemic happens that you you literally have put your employees in a position to where they you can't help them and they couldn't help themselves. Mm -hmm. And so people literally didn't have any income coming in. Mm-hmm. you know and we're in you know in the, in the in the beginnings of a pandemic I think one of the saying I remember you and Matt saying you know an uh, impetus early on was that a lot of restaurants when the governor shut down a lot of the restaurants gave their staff the food they had in their coolers and freezers yeah and then and, and then when that ran out they were calling back like we don't have any money and we don't have any food I think that was a I think that was kind of what, like, you know, really got the fire burning under us. Like, we've got to do something.
2: Yeah, the table, like, you know, a lot of other restaurants. Uh, as soon as restaurant, as soon as that shutdown happened, of course, initially we were like, oh, we can freeze a certain amount of things. But the rest, we just portioned out, packed up, and had our employees come pick up. And then as we realized that the shutdown was going to last longer than any of us anticipated. We just emptied out the freezers. We emptied out our coolers. We opened up the flower bins and all of the things the markets were running out of. We still had access to toilet paper, uh, soap, mm-hmm. and yeah. get those from purveyors initially. So we started ordering stuff just so we could let our employees take toilet paper home. Um, and doors were open as long as we could, you know had the money in our accounts to keep purchasing. Um, But it was, it was, it's, it's heartbreaking, especially when, you know, you know, they have families at home and it's just beyond sustaining yourself. It's when you have young kids at home, like it's, that's a lot to watch somebody go through and not do something about.
3: And I think one of the more interesting things with all of this is that, we realized how important the restaurant industry is from all these different aspects. You know, what we learned is that the grocery store can't support all of us at the same time. You know, they, they probably were purchasing in a way where they, they know they're, you know, more busy times of the month or the day or whatever. And, you know, an emergency like this happens and they can't support everyone going to the grocery store at the same time. And so, you know, for us, even at Bake Me Happy, we were, you know, sending home, you know, some of the extra things we had. You know, we went from, you know, seating, you know, full seating area uh to to no seating at all, which meant we had cases and cases of toilet paper because we didn't have customers coming in, and so, you know, we would share that with the staff, you know, um, as needed as well. It, it really was a. You know, I don't. I don't. You guys don't know a whole lot about me, but I believe like in this whole Walking Dead theory, and it's probably as close to it as, as you know <laughs> we may get.
0: Maybe too close. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So, what's what's new on the horizon for service? Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, a
2: million dollar question.
0: Well, let's start with the uh, collaboration with the county. What's going on? What is that?
2: I just received initial funding from the county to take over the cafe in the courthouse. It's on the 16th floor of the county building on 373 South High Street. Um, And it was a cafeteria that was run by, um, you know, corporate cafeteria service. And during COVID, uh, certain members of in the Board of Commissioners realized that they needed to do more to help the local restaurant community. And they reached out to service to take over the cafeteria and uh, step it up a bit, maybe, you know, like supply healthier foods, uh, run a better food program. But most importantly, have a workforce development segment so we can work with, you know, work with job and family services to hire on people that either needed a second chance coming from different backgrounds or were just simply hard hit by COVID and need a leg up again. Um, So we will be training employees through the cafe program in the restaurant industry so then hopefully they can go out there and get better jobs. Um, and they will be provided with, you know, their SERP safe certification, reference letters, and basic kitchen and service training. So then hopefully they can go out there and make a little more money and have some grounding behind wow. that.
1: That's huge. Did you have any idea when you started this that it would morph into something that huge? <laughs>
2: No, I think it's something we dreamt of doing. We're like, okay, we're going to keep service around and it'd be really nice to, you know, open a service restaurant and train people and teach people how to open a restaurant themselves. And, you know, like all the mistakes we made as restaurant tours. like it would be so nice if there was somewhere to go be vetted for all of that stuff before you go make the dumb mistake of opening a restaurant, right? Uh, but who no, never in a million years did I see this coming.
0: That's so amazing.
2: yeah
3: it, it is. I, I, I am a huge proponent of like public and private collaboration, specifically around like economic development, and this is right in line with you know something I've always envisioned. Um, you know, I, I, I think that people having access to, to a saying in a Mac. Um, and and interested in the industry, who know, if you've never been exposed to being a sommelier, how would you know? How would you know this is, you know, and so we hope to um, give people this opportunity along with what Sang was saying, you know, there's, there's an organization for business owners in the restaurant industry, the Restaurant Association, but who speaks for the industry workers? You know, and so we we even kind of tossed around. Could we be that organization that sets standards that the restaurant owners should should you know um, adhere to? Mm-hmm. And and I I can't walk the walk unless I'm you know doing it for. Them. I don't do anything you know even as a nurse. I would go in and help people you know to the restroom and things like that. That's I I don't believe in hierarchies like that. But what I believe in is that. I I wouldn't engage in something that myself, I didn't do. And so, you know, at Bake Me Happy, we treat our staff really well. Sang treats her staff really well. You know, Matt is invested in treating his staff very well. And so I think it'd be a natural progression for us to get to a place where um, we, we help set standards so that the workers are happy and the restaurant owners are happy. And this is the beginning of, I believe, what that could be. You know, if we get these folks in and get them trained in such a way that they can, we can disperse them out into the community to hand-picked places that say, yes, I will take this employee and, and, and we will be good to them. What, what more can you ask for? That's really wonderful.
0: You know. Creating a precedence. And that's awesome. yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. And I think it is time to like let go of some of those antiquated restaurant attitudes um, and change the way we work with each other. You know, we can't, we can't be tours without our staff. You know, there's no one that can run an amazing restaurant. There's not one restaurant owner that can, you know, run an amazing restaurant solely. You do need your staff and your staff does need to have, the right attitude also and they should love coming into work because they're your representatives to the community Mm -hmm. you know they're the ones that are going to be your face to the community and if you're mistreating your staff that shows that travels through you know and it's not I'm not talking about mistreating as in you're getting beat or you're being abusive but when they're not paid well when they don't get sick leave when they don't have wraparound services um makes it hard i mean you know it's it's a tiresome industry and i think we need to really make it better
0: definitely
3: and hence that's what you're seeing now Mm -hmm. people said you know what enough of this and they just walked away yeah yeah
1: Yeah. so how can unfortunately we're not over with covid um and who knows what's going to happen How can hospitality uh, workers, how do they get connected with service?
2: Uh, They can reach us through our website at servicerelief.org. We have a contact us page on there uh, and just reach out to us and we'll do what we can to help you or at least set you in the right direction, introduce you to somebody else that can help you if we can't provide a service. And then
1: how, um, how are you receiving funding going forward? Is it
2: private donations, or what is it? Hey, we're, you know, open arms with anybody's money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just through our page, there's a donation site on the page. Um, and you know, 100 percent of the money goes back into the world, at least for now, till where a giant nonprofit and we have administrative staff to pay. Um, But for now, all the money goes through to the service industry or resources for the service industry. But yeah, please donate on any level. I mean, $5 is $5. That's $5 more than I have right now. So, you know, it's every penny, every penny counts.
1: Sure. And uh, for our listeners, um, we are having our third I'm not really a bartender, amateur cocktail competition in February, so keep an eye out for those tickets because uh, 100% of the sales will go to service, so um, definitely get tickets to that. I hope you know how inspiring you are. being so selfless during the pandemic when you had your own shit to worry about, but put that aside and just went all in to help others. I mean, you know, that's, you're an example that we need, especially right now in the way the world is today. So hell, we are so happy (laughs) to help you uh, in any way that we possibly can. And, um, You make us proud. Thank
2: you. All right. Um, Anything else we want to talk about? For restaurant owners that would like to partner with us, that would also like to, you know, raise the standards in their own restaurants or work with some of these employees that we're going to be training. It would be great to be able to partner up with some places that we know uh, are going to you know, set the same bar as we have and take care of employees. So we would love to send people your way once we have them trained and ready to go. I realize how much restaurant and restaurant owners are struggling right now, and you probably don't have time to train new staff coming in. So if we can be of help, if, you know, if we can work together, I think that would be a blessing for everybody involved in this project.
1: And uh saying, just to be clear this
2: this includes bartenders, right, bars, restaurants, hotels that need catering staff um I mean, at the end of the day, we're in customer service, right, so I don't care if you're a retail place because we might come across somebody that has great a great customer service background and is you know phenomenal as a face and, you know, speaking with somebody, but they might really suck in the kitchen, you know? And we'd like to not just throw them aside. We'd like to still work with them and be like, hey, maybe the restaurant industry isn't for you, but, you know, you would be great in sales. Um, So you never know, you know, it's just like with anything else, right? I mean, your worth is your network. So whoever, whoever you are out there, if it's some, you know, if it's a program you'd like to partner with, reach out to us. Like we would love to have people on board. You know, we would love to have that support and I'm sure the employees we train would love to have that support.
1: Good to know. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being our guest today. We really appreciate it. And thank you for everything that you do for the hospitality workers in our area.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And here's to like great things going forward. I'm I'm really excited about what's happening already and I'm looking forward to seeing more great things coming from service.
3: All right. Well, cheers, you guys, and thanks again. We really appreciate it. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you. Appreciate you. Happy holidays.
0: Cheers. Listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at CBus Craft Cocktail Tour. Visit our website at columbuscraftcocktailtour.com for cocktail tour dates, women and whiskey tastings, special events, merchandise, and if you're looking for a gift for that special person in your life, get them a gift card to our cocktail tour. Thank you to the biographer for our original music. And please remember to drink responsibly and be cocktail curious. Cheers.
1: This has been a Last Call Productions production.